I decided to make this change and I brought everybody in and we talked about it and I put Gerb in charge of all the operational stuff of it and we hired a guy that run just the coaches this year and pay him. I made a concerted effort to understand one thing. I got people to answer to. Yeah. And who are the, and who are those people? Is it other travel ball organizations? Absolutely not. That's they're not on my business. I definitely have heard nothing but positive from people that I respect for sure. And quite honestly, there's other travel ball organizations out there that I have a tremendous amount of respect for that have come to me and said, man, you got guts and I'm so glad you did it. So we may see this, you know, take on across the country. We may not, but yeah. I know it's the right thing for us. It's about value. It's about what you do for your families. Mm-hmm. And it's about relationships. Mm-hmm. And in the end of the day, competing is important. And we haven't cut that out. Right? You know, we got to be clear on that. We're still going out and playing the best and playing against the best. It's important. You have to compete. But if you are challenging yourself as an organization, as a coach, you be transformational. There's no better way to do it than to get in the trenches with the kids. There's no better way. Um, and I think it comes down to that. You know, you can take the, the business aspect and spin it however you want. The people that are successful in this business are the people that are in it for the right reasons. But I can tell you the majority of the guys out there care and are passionate about their kids. And, you know, I would challenge them to look themselves in the mirror and say, you know, how can I be better? How can I continue to get better? Um, and I think this is a way that you can do that. You're dialed in to the ABCA's Calls from the Clubhouse podcast, connecting our coaches with some of the best baseball minds in our game. Now here's your host, Jeremy Sheetinger. Crank up the volume in your earbuds as we are broadcasting from the ABCA National Office here in Greensboro, North Carolina. Welcome back or welcome to our Calls from the Clubhouse podcast. We stand as your baseball coaching source for certified audio gold, the place where you come to connect with the very best baseball minds in our game. We cannot wait to dive into this week's episode with you. It's an important topic around an area of the game that is getting a lot of attention, and this group has shown the courage to reverse the current model in the pursuit of what's best for their players and their families, and we get to shine a light on this organization. But first, we know that our community of loyal listeners are here with us, but we want to welcome in the newbies to the call. Thanks for checking out the show. We hope to keep you around with us. For the first-timers dialing into the podcast, make sure you hit subscribe on your device so you never miss another show. Reviews and ratings are always appreciated. Share these shows with everyone inside your baseball circle. Dive into the archives. You'll find shows that get into the details around every fundamental in the game, special interest topics. Plus, you can hear directly from some of the most successful coaches and people inside baseball. Connect with us on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Find us at ABCA1945. You can also head over to our website, abca.org. If you're looking for more information about what our baseball coaching fraternity here is all about, plus make sure you hit subscribe on our brand new YouTube channel. You can catch up on season one of ABCA The Road Show. Plus, check out our brand new feature, ABCA Extra Innings, where our first episode finds us connecting with New Mexico State skipper Brian Green, and we break down hitting with BG. We share videos of his hitters in the cages or on the field, and he teaches us the details inside one of the nation's top offensive units. Recording our next episode this week, and we hope to have that interview in your inbox the following week, but head over to youtube.com slash ABCA1945. Find us, hit subscribe, and you'll never miss a release. Also, please feel free to reach out to me directly on Twitter and Instagram at CoachSheets3 or by email sheets, S-H-E-E-T-S, at ABCA.org. 
here to help, love to connect, and I can't wait to hear from each of you. And the last shout out going to the proud sponsor of this podcast, our great friends over at AstroTurf, the leaders in the clubhouse for the turf industry. We connected with the national director of baseball, Aaron Cloth, another loyal listener of the show, to get the latest on what's happening there for the AstroTurf team. Let's go straight to and connect with Aaron. Aaron, thanks for jumping on the call with us, my man. Thanks, Keith. Good to talk to you, buddy. I'm excited to talk with you, man. We get the chance on, on the podcast to really talk the great things that are happening at AstroTurf, but it's always a pleasure when you and I can connect and we can hear it from the dude that's out in the trenches really preaching the gospel of AstroTurf and what's doing for programs around the country, man. I, I think a starting place for us is when we're looking at getting close to the halfway point of 2019, what have been some of the biggest changes that you've seen from the administrative end that have happened there at AstroTurf? Well, the biggest thing is we've really constructed a team. Uh, I got, I don't, I don't consider myself a, the head guy, even though that's what the, the title says. I have an unreal team or we have an unreal team. Greg Swenson on the, on the West coast, uh, former division one coach, Pat Casa out there in California, former division one player, uh, and Garrett bear on the East coast helps us as well. Uh, all all four of us played college baseball, mm-hmm. I believe, at almost every level, D3, D2, D1, uh, professional. So we've constructed a team that not only sells the product, but they actually have been out there, played on it, and mm-hmm. constantly are playing on it. We all have kids, uh, for the most part. Uh, we have kids that are playing on it. We have programs. We're coaching still. We're involved. And, and, and that just helps with the R&D everyday information to make our product better. Well, I want you to go into that because I think talking through some of the R&D changes that have happened with the product, I know you and I have talked offline about that a lot. There's things are just, you're trying to grow and enhance this product every day, like every great business. But what are some that you guys have, have tackled there at AstroTurf? Uh, the biggest thing we're really after is we're trying to really fine tune our Diamond Series system okay. to baseball metrics. So much, so much of the coaching and programs are set up by metrics. So, you know, I, I've talked to almost every coach is in how, how would you want this to play? Well, AstroTurf is considered the fastest synthetic turf surface out there. And, and we make no bones about it. That's mm-hmm. what we want and it's because of our root zone, because our infill sits down in our root zone. And we want that ball when it's hit off the bat, the, you know, the biggest thing I picked up on one of your, uh, your, uh, videos that you did out there with, uh, um, out in Arizona is that the average, exit velo is 77 82 miles an hour the first bounce is in 20 feet so we want our system to replicate that yeah. we've done a lot of research with track man we've been talking to those guys trying to, to get those metrics we want that ball when it's hit you know coaches are timing those guys run down from home to first you know average runner you know mm. four three four four etc we want to make sure when that ball's hit that it's bounced to the shortstop at a consistent rate and a consistent speed so we don't slow down the game. And that's what coaches want. So we're constantly trying to make sure we get those improvements and we make our system better, more mm-hmm. durable, but we don't lose that speed at all. Wow, that's awesome. Well, I know at least from the coaches that we deal with a lot here at ABCA, from Corbs to Justin Hare over at Campbell and Travis down at Tulane, I mean, the ones that are, are tried and true AstroTurf loyal customers – they love the product. They love what it does for their program, their field, the facility. And, you know, I think, you know, we talk about, again, with the intros, we talk about AstroTurf. I try to give you guys some some love for the love that you showed this podcast with the the no-grow, no-mo, no-H2O solution. But I think we talked a, a few times about this has been an unseasonably wet and cold spring. I mean, I think if you're in the Midwest and especially the North and Northeast, 
it, it it's been uncharacteristic of what we've seen in recent years. So when you're looking against weather, let's just start here and then we'll get into the, the details on the field. But when you're battling weather, what would be from your perspective, maybe that final push for a coach that's sitting on the fence and he, man, I just don't know what are the benefits? What am I, you know, cost all that stuff, push them in the right direction. Well, I can tell you when it gets done raining, uh, you obviously can play. I mean, yeah. that's your number one thing. And I actually got a client coming on, uh, down in southern Indiana, Division One school, and he was like uh, talking the other day and uh, head coach, and he's like, man, you know what sucks is that I am canceling a game, and if I had AstroTurf, which I will in two months, <laughs> I would be able to I would be able to play, but I got to bring a team from three hours in Nashville to come up here to play us, and I just can't do it. So obviously, wow. playability, you can play when it rains too, but obviously, um, that's obviously the number one aspect. The second thing is is that you're going to be able to use it more from a practice standpoint. You're 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 not going to have uh, that wear, that uh, that maintenance of grass, and, and those are obviously the the easy points. Um, but the, the the numbers of of playability and usage aren't going to be limited. I mean, hmm. if you're out here in Michigan, where I'm at right now, I mean, there's guys playing games on grass fields, but they're not taking in and out right now, and they're not taking BP. They're hitting in, they're hitting in tunnels, yep. and they're taking ground balls on the side because the fields are so saturated right now. They just can't do it. And and obviously those are just major, major aspects. But we've also changed the game uh, from the, the clay areas that are really high use too. I mean, your, your mounds and your plate areas. I mean, we've changed those games as well um, mm. by, by using some different things. And, and those are things that are really exciting because it wasn't – people had turf fields before, but they didn't have those 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 mound turf or those plate turf. And we, we've right. really changed these. Are these fields are 100% synthetic and they're strictly because – you want to play when the weather's not good. Right. And in college baseball, that's what you have to. What is the feedback that you're getting, especially as more customers come on to AstroTurf and, and they're looking at getting the entire field done? Are they sticking with a dirt mound or are they moving to the turf solution on the mound as well? We are almost 100% across the board synthetic turf uh, at home plate, and, and we're almost 100% synthetic turf at uh, the pitcher's mound. Wow. Um, the only ones that we've done recently that have left it clay are a couple minor league affiliates and, and pro ball is pretty, pretty big about maintaining clay. It's just, mm-hmm. that's their feel and that's mm-hmm. fine. Um, but our college programs, our high school programs, we're using a hundred percent turf mound, hundred uh, percent turf on plate. And the reason we've done that is that those are your highest wear areas yep. but also that you don't want to have a whole field and have clay there and not be able to play because your 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 clay got saturated so we've invented velcro batters boxes uh velcro catcher replacement boxes uh and then we've done velcro pitching strips and when you purchase a field you have an eight-year warranty and you get eight replacements for each area so as the owner uh we're helping you maintain those areas by giving you those replacements but we're also going to kind of have a working relationship because college football coaches aren't taking care of their fields. Um, there's a facility guy. College baseball coaches, they have a facility guy. They're very important. But I guarantee the head coach, no matter what level, has some kind of care or hands-on approach on their synthetic turf field. And so when we do these Velcro replacements, you know, you take care of that. You know, you take care of that batter's box. You take care of that catcher's box. And so – we give you those replacements, not just to dis, you know, neglect those areas. We just want to make sure, like, hey, when those do wear out, here you go. Mm-hmm. Uh, and 
we've invented a, a brand new turf called uh, ERA. We actually name it a baseball name, but it actually stands for extra resilient area, which means it's going to wear better than anything we've ever done. And we've recently installed that on several Division One fields this past uh, fall. Um, we're very excited about it because I think it's going to really wear. Because the biggest thing on a pitcher's mound, it, that's part of your major area. I mean, you got to figure 300 times a game, there's guys landing. You know, there's guys going hard. Um, so you got to make sure that area is going to wear. And it's going to wear out, but we want to make sure it wears a long time before it wears out. And I think we've accomplished that with that ERA turf. Might have to put some of that in our backyard. Seems like Coop uh, is wearing out my grass on a nightly basis. Um, let's go into this. And again, I think a great way to wrap this up, Aaron, because I know we, we, we talk a lot offline, but man, you got a lot planned. I mean, again, if we're at the halfway point, man, you still have an action packed rest of 2019. Take us into what you got going. We have, I wish I could really tell you the names of these programs we're bringing on, but we, we are preparing for a huge summer and fall. Hmm. Uh, I know summer sounds like the install, but in college baseball, a lot of them we will do is in the fall because they want to get their fall ball done and we'll knock out the field. But, we have a couple major programs on the West Coast coming on board. We got some big time uh, clients coming on the East Coast, and they'll, they'll be soon to be released. I'm not teasing you guys, but it's a really exciting time here at Ashton Turf. And then we're working with the, uh, quite a few of uh, the minor league teams in the Florida State League, which is really exciting. We did a great field for the Daytona Tortugas. What an unreal ballpark mm-hmm. setting! I mean, if I if I could. Uh, if I could play one more game somewhere, it'd be there. I mean, they had palm trees. They have they have the bay right there. Um, <laughs> it's just a beautiful facility. But they won with an Astro Diamond Series field. It's been uh, a, a hit down there. And uh, since then, we've really talked to quite others. So we have a huge summer prepared. Uh, great times, exciting times. The Astro of baseball. Um, I mean, we have over 60 Division One clients, and we, we really talk about that a lot. But, I mean, the high schools, the uh, – the Northwoods leagues, the the you name it, any kind of league that's doing surf, they're all very important to us. Mm-hmm. Um, we just really put our footprint in Division One baseball, and, and obviously that in the baseball world that means a lot. And we're really excited to continue all these relationships with with anyone at any level. It's outstanding. Well, again, on behalf of the national office and certainly all of our thousands of loyal listeners around the world, we appreciate what AstroTurf has done to help support our podcast and help us move forward. Aaron, thanks for jumping on with us, my friend. Be safe in your travels, and obviously I look forward to catching up with you again real soon. Thanks for your time, and uh, appreciate everything you do for college baseball and and anyone in baseball. You're, You're awesome, man. Keep living the dream, buddy. And again, thanks for sitting down with us, Klotzy. You'd love to hear the details behind the fastest turf system designed by baseball metrics on the market. Give them a follow on social media at AstroTurfUSA. Also make sure to head over to their website, AstroTurf.com. That's AstroTurf.com. And find out why AstroTurf has been ahead of the curve for over 50 years. And with that, let's get right into this week's podcast as we shine our light back into the world of travel baseball and onto an organization that has made a huge shift in how they're going to provide real value for their players moving forward. We sit down with President and CEO Bob Reichman and Director of Baseball Operations Matt Gerber to hear it straight from the leadership team on what these positive changes will be for the Orlando Scorpions Baseball Club. The Scorps are courageously stepping outside of the current tournament model and instead adopting their own development model that includes nothing but training and true development for the entire organization during the month of June before playing in a few select tournaments there in July and August. Now, as many of you know, this is the exception to the rule 
And what's great is that inside this conversation, we hear about the value that they think it'll bring to the players, their skill development, their recruiting process. But we also hear the other side of this, how it's going to positively affect the parents and their costs, enhance the experience and evaluation efforts for college coaches and scouts, and how this will develop from within and raise up current Scorpion coaches and overall be a huge win for all those involved. And we are grateful to connect with proud members like Reich and Gerb, hand them the mic and allow all of us to hear how they're working to be part of the solution inside this space. So let's get right into it. We got Bob Reichman and Matt Gerber from the Orlando Scorpions. They are our guests on this week's Calls from the Clubhouse podcast. So get ready, coaches. This great show is coming at you right now. Coaches, thanks for dialing into our Calls from the Clubhouse podcast. We're heading back into the travel baseball world, but we're going to highlight and talk with an extraordinary organization and one that has stepped out into the forefront and want to do something a little bit different, what's better for their kids, what's better for their parents, what's better for the recruitment of their student-athletes, but more importantly, what's better for their organization. And uh, we've talked, we've laughed about where this is going. It's going to be a fantastic conversation and one that will challenge all those listeners paying attention to this as we look at, again, this travel baseball space. We're going to be talking with a couple members of the Scorpions Baseball Club, first president and CEO, Bob Reichman. Bob, thanks for jumping on with us. Thanks for having us. We really appreciate it. Excited to have you. Also got the director of baseball operations, Matt Gerber. Gerb, thanks for jumping on with us. Chiefs, thanks for having us. Really looking forward to today's conversation. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. I really am looking forward to, to really pulling back the curtain on what you guys are doing. We're talking about this development model but let's start here, and Matt, start us off on this. When we're talking about the ABCA and your experience over the years and attending conventions, and certainly for you guys, the networking side of things, just take us through what the ABCA has meant to you throughout your career. Yeah, I, I was introduced to the ABCA by uh, Sal Lombardo, and I'm sure we'll get into it, but yeah. Sal's the, uh, the founder of the Scorpions, and um, you know, Sal took me to my first convention. Luckily, it was here in Orlando for mm-hmm. me. I can't remember how many years ago it was now, um, but... Um, <laughs> I just think that the that the opportunity to listen to the best in our business, the coaching business, yeah. um, you know, if we're not getting better, we're not continually trying to to learn. Um, we're not doing our jobs, not doing best by our players. So, just the opportunity to listen from the best and understand the way that they do it, and also see that they're continual learners as well. Yeah. Um, and then I know that this is a shameless plug, but she tied the the podcast that I'm on today is by far number one on my playlist and um, just ecstatic to to be a part of it and um, you know to help this coaching community as best as we can can you say that again for the people in the back no (laughs) no that's awesome thank we we appreciate it man we we had a good conversation a couple weeks ago man I I am I love when we get a chance to connect with loyal guys but uh, I, I tried to flip the script on you. It's like, hey, man, you just called at the right time because this is this <laughs> yeah, is where this was going. <laughs> uh, oh, that was great. It's awesome. Right, take us into that, my friend. You got a lot of years inside the ABCA, so just take us into kind of your experience and, and what it's done for you. I mean, I feel very fortunate as well. I mean, my first convention was uh, 1988, and I believe it was mm. San Francisco. And you know, Dick Burke was at the University of Massachusetts was one of the big wigs back then. And, yeah, and uh, I was very fortunate to be a coach at UMass when he was. He had retired, but he got me involved and I met, you know, Bill Arcee, who took good care of me back then. Mm-hmm. But, you know, just just going to a convention and seeing Skip Burtman and, and Coach Frazier and, and you know, and Cliff Gustafson. I mean, that's that's how I broke into college baseball is around those guys and going to conventions, wow. listening to Ron Polk and Rafael Primero talk about hitting on stage. And mm-hmm. and, and and it just it, it, the, the incredible amount of legends that I grew up in coaching with in the beginning 
um, going to a Division One meeting with Mark Marquis in the meeting, and I mean, it sounds like I'm name dropping, but honestly, that's where I came from. Sure. And that's that. That was the era that I broke into college coaching, and you know, you you go into the convention and you see Gustafson walking down the hallway, and you know, he's not that big of a dude, you know, and he's got the he's got the big belt buckle on, and you know, he's got the, the he just looked like a cowboy, but he was like they had crowds around him back then, like people oh, would just wow. walk with him in the hallways, and it, it was just an incredible experience and great speakers all the time, and and I think my most memorable one was Ron Frazier talking about all the things he had to do to get credibility as a baseball coach at the university of Miami. And I think about that, that was one of the biggest topics I would, and obviously John Scalinas is with the plate discussion sure. was phenomenal. Yeah. You know, so it, it's, it's meant a lot to me. I mean, it's, it was something I look forward to every single year, not just for the, not even just for the, for the, for the great speakers, but just to be around great coaches and listen to other people's ideas. And, and obviously, you know, the exhibits are always first class and learning new things you can get for your program. Mm-hmm. It, it's just been a big part of coaching, coaching development, coaching life growing up in college baseball. Oh, it's fantastic. Well, you mentioned a, a few different routes there. I want to go into, and we'll talk about your career in baseball. Cause I mean, right. You got, I mean, you got a lot of years spending as a coach, as a scout inside the baseball world and certainly what you're doing with the Scorpions, but you also have a little bit of period outside of that so can you just open up your career in baseball and bring us up to speed of what what's got you busy today yeah i mean i've been very fortunate you know i started out um after i was the worst player ever in college um <laughs> my college coach recommended that i start coaching as soon as possible so i, I you know that's the kiss of I, death I, right there <laughs> it, it really is you know so I, I mean i played for pete barney who was a seven-year big leaguer and you know he played at harvard and, and that was my college career i was a little division three school at brandeis and he he wanted me to coach and he had started grooming me since he was a junior to, to get involved in it you know, I started in the Cape League in 1988 um, with, with uh, John Castleberry and the Orleans Cardinals, and that team was loaded. We had Frank mm-hmm. Thomas, J.T. Snow. Um, from there, I went to UMass Amherst. Then I got my first head coaching gig at Framingham State, and and then I went with the White Sox for four years as a scout in New England and Eastern Canada. I, I, best boss ever, by the way, John Tominio. He's he's still with the White Sox to this day. Wow. Um, he's he's phenomenal. And um, you know, one night I was sharpening skates and stringing tennis rackets in, in a sporting goods store trying to make money. And I got a phone call from an alumni at Rollins College. And he said, look, you know, they're, they're going to have an opening as a pitching coach. Would you be interested in the job? There's no pay right now, but I think I can get you the job. Well, that night I literally drove down to Florida and I showed up at the first day of practice without even having the job. And I, I stayed in the locker room for probably three months sleeping on trash bags full of clothes. I didn't have a bed. And, um, you know, I finally got I finally got a paying job out of it. Three months later, the head coach John Fulgen took t- tremendous care of me, and then at the end of the season, he retired. He resigned, and uh, so after leaving, you know, leaving the White Sox and going down there, um, I was very fortunate that the, the basketball coaches at Rollins and and the uh, soccer coach at Rollins and I got along extremely well, and they fought for me. And the AD gave me the interim job, and eventually gave me the head job, and I stayed there for eleven years. Um, and, you know, it's, and then I took another job in Newberry and, and I uh, didn't do real well there. Um, I think a lot of it was, we didn't have a field for my first years, but that's an excuse. I also lost my father while I was there and I kind of went in a tank mentally when I lost my dad, he was my best friend. Uh, yeah. So I didn't do real well there, but you know, it, it was, it's kind of like a bridge because while I was near the end of my term at Newberry, you know, the one, two of my former Rollins players, the Rice brothers, um, called me up and asked me if I wanted to get into the oil and gas company. And I'm, I didn't know anything about it. And I went up there for a visit and never came back and, we started off with like seven of us. I think I was the seventh employee and, and uh, we grew it into a $7 billion company. And, and, and that's what gave me the ability to come back and get involved with baseball at the amateur level again and, and, and get involved with the Scorpions, help Gerb out and Sal out. And, and now I'm back in baseball and, and it's really my only thing that I do now. I'm, the Scorpions are full time and, 
you know, obviously I'm, I'm very blessed that, that, uh, you know, the, um, Rice family took care of me for life and, mm -hmm. you know, I'm not doing this for the money. I'm, I'm generally doing it to try and help amateur baseball. And that's why I got involved. I mean, wow. I didn't need the job. I didn't need to be, you know, I, I don't miss baseball. I miss the kids. Yeah. And that, that's something you and I talked about on the yeah. phone the other day. Like yeah. people ask me all the time, do you want to go back and coach in college? And the, I'd love to go back and coach anywhere, but it's not because of baseball. Like winning baseball games is no longer my, my goal mm -hmm. right now for me. I want to see kids succeed. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's, that was the impetus towards this whole change that we've made, which we're going to talk about today and why I got back involved in baseball after, you know, six years in the oil field. It was, it was really to, help kids get better wow that's so good boy does that set the table before we get to that matt take us into your career and again yeah it's such a unique perspective here on the call because you kind of know the guy on the other end of the line here pretty well i've known him for a long time uh, but matt take us into your career path in baseball and certainly bring us up to speed on what's happening today yeah absolutely well um my career path isn't anything uh like my boss here, but, um, <laughs> I, uh, I grew up in the central Florida area, um, was a, a fairly smart kid by testing standards. Um, took official visits to Penn, Harvard, Yale, and Furman, and, um, wow. ended up choosing Furman university in Greenville, South Carolina, um, played there for one year under Ron Smith, um, and got homesick, ended up transferring home, uh, to a place called Rollins college. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, was coached by, uh, Bob Reichman. Um, one of my favorite stories is I tell people all the time. Um, I transferred back a division one transfer. Um, by all accounts, I, I was pretty talented. Um, but thought, thought I was pretty talented yeah. as well. Um, <laughs> and, um, came back, came back home with, with not the best mentality. Um, coach Reich picked on, uh, picked up on that quite quickly. Mm. And I think gave me uh, 12 at bats my sophomore year. Um, we, uh, we were a, a program that my junior year, um, went to the college world series, the division two college world series. Um, and, uh, our team nickname was the Dirtbags. kind of give you an idea of the type yeah. of type of player that, that Bob liked. Um, and I remember sitting down in his office, um, and coach Reichman always told us, um, you know, I play favorites. I play the guys I like. And I remember sitting down in his office the fall going into my junior year. And I said, I said, coach Reichman, what? what can I do to be your favorite? Like, what do I got to do to get on the field? He looked me in the eye, dead in the eye and said, you will never play for me. Dead in the eye and, and just wow. said that to me. And I kind of looked at him and I was like, damn. <laughs> looked at our team captain who was with me and we kind of looked at each other and then there was a pause and he looked at me and he said, unless. And then he went into a, to the reasons why I wasn't playing. I had to commit myself off the field. I had to give everything I had every single day. Um, and I think Coach Reich would agree um, after that conversation, I did just that and was fortunate enough to play for him and help help uh, lead our team to the College World Series. Um, so when I got done playing in 2005, um, I had grown up playing for the Scorpions organization that played for Sal Lombardo, um, was on the first Scorpion team 25 years ago, um, and just loved the game of baseball, um, was working in commercial banking, um, and just wanted to stay around the game. Um, and so I, I started coaching with Sal and um, you know, doing some training at his, at his facility, and that was 2005, so that was 14 years ago. Um, and I made the uh, full-time switch to coaching and travel ball in um, 2009. Um, so that's kind of the brief history of, of Matt Gerber and, um, you know, where I played. That's outstanding. I think it I think it runs us right into, uh, and this is why I try to set it up this way so you can answer this question first, because I know you were on that original Scorpions team. 
So take us into like the overview of this entire baseball club. So from where it started to where it's grown to, can you just walk us through that timeline? So I think listeners have a, have a full perspective of where it's come from, but, but certainly where it's at right now. Sure. So Sal Lombardo, the, the founder, uh, will tell you um, that he started the Scorpions for selfish reasons. He had a, a group of kids, six or seven kids that had grown up playing together at, at a local uh, Babe Ruth park, um, and they were looking for something a little bit more competitive. Um, his son, Mario, um, who ended up playing at Rollins uh, with me and for Coach Reich, um, was one of them. Um, so Sal, along with um, Andrew Butera's father, Sal Butera, mm-hmm. um, big league catcher, stepped out and said, hey, let's, let's start something. Uh, they went around to a couple of local little leagues and picked up some of the better players, and I was lucky enough to be one of those guys. And, you know, for the first couple of years, you know, when we were, we started when we were 11, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, it was just, you know, pretty much an AAU baseball team. Um, and um, we just traveled around trying to play good competition. Um, and, you know, the, the advent of the Scorpions really becoming this organization per se, um, you know, probably happened when um, in the, I would say in the early 2000s, there was, um, Back then in travel baseball in the state of Florida, the fall of your senior year, you would try out for a, for a scout team uh, run by a major league baseball organization mm-hmm. and the scouts. And there were, you know, there was one in central Florida, one in West Florida, South Florida, so on and so forth. And when Sal was coming through with, with, with his group, he had a lot of the best players. So um, Frank Core and Jim Ferber were current, were running that group. And, um, you know, Sal had, you know, Butera and Grinky and, couple other guys and um, they went to him and said hey would, would you like to help out you know you've coached these kids for a long time and Sal jumped on board um, and during that season coach Ferber had a, had a mild heart attack and um, Sal kind of stepped in um, the next year he changed the name from East Florida scout team to the Scorpions and um, it's kind of history from there um, I came back in 2005 um, took over full-time um, from Sal in 2009 um, from 2009 um, until 2016, um, was running the organization. Um, and then um, Coach Reich um, moved back down. I remember meeting with them and um, saying, hey, I'd love to get you involved. Obviously, you were my, my college coach. Like, what can we do? And, and he kind of looked at me and said, you know, I've been running a $7 billion company for the last six years. It's kind of hard for me to take orders from somebody, you know, <laughs> Sure. <laughs> and, and, but, but at the same time, um, we were at a point in the organization where we really needed, um, somebody to come in that was, was seasoned. I think one thing that, um, I feel like I do a pretty decent job of is understand, um, you know, where your shortcomings are and try to fill those and fill your life with people that, that help you with that. Mm. And, you know, coach with his experience in, in baseball, coupled with running a, $7 billion corporation seemed like a kind of no brainer to help lead us into the next, um, iteration of the Scorpions. Yeah. And, um, I mean, I'm lucky enough that, um, you know, he's kept me on and, and let me be a part of it. Um, and it's something that I just, uh, I, I enjoy every day. Um, and I'm thankful that, that, uh, coach Reichman is in the position that he is in. I firmly believe we are way stronger today than we were two years ago and we'll continue to, to strengthen and get better. Gosh, that's awesome. Bob, what about you? Anything to add to that? And also give me the kind of the overview of how many teams are we talking about? How's it all work? How's it all look? Well, I mean, first of all, I, I would, I would echo Gerb. I mean, we, I think 
I, I think we've assembled hands down the, one of the best teams around. I mean, you got Gerb running baseball operations. Mm-hmm. Sal Lombardo has stayed on with us. He, he's pitching an arm care, but really he's been like an advisor to me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like I said, I lost my dad in 2006. So I, I kind of like rely on Sal for a lot of things, like personal things sometimes. And, and, and sometimes even, you know, just, you know, opinions. He's just an older yep. guy and I'm an older guy. So we, we hit it off pretty good. <laughs> he is older than me and I'm not afraid to say that. He's got perspective and, um, on you. That's right. Yeah. Exactly. That's a great way to put it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and, and, and we have, we have, uh, we have Carmelo Delgado who runs our youth program and, you know, he's grown the youth program from 90 kids when, when he took over to 170, 180 kids now. And, wow. and, um, and he's done it just by, you know, being very good with the kids and being a very good coach and having a very good development program. Our youth program is, I think the model is fantastic. And honestly, what really got me set on making the decision to move to it with our older program. You know, it's uh, and then we have Janet Weber, who's our director of operations and finance. And I can tell you this: she, I would not own the Scorpions if Janet was not around. Wow, she is the rock behind everything we do. Um, huh. She is, I mean, she's hand, she she's a she's a den mother. Like you know, you don't yeah. trust Janet. You yeah. know what I mean? But if you don't, yeah. but Janet is the boss, and you know, Janet runs the Scorpions for me. You know, in a lot of ways, and she does a tremendous job. And, but, you know, right now we, we've made a decision this year to downsize. You know, we used to have 12 teams in Orlando when I first came, and now we're down to nine, I believe. Okay. And, uh, and we, we, you know, we have a couple age groups, one age group now that has three teams and the rest have two, and I think that's better. You know, it, it, it's, it's a fine line, right? I mean, mm-hmm. we want to provide an opportunity for, for everybody, to as many kids that want to play baseball as possible. But the worst thing I could do is sit there and advertise that we're there to try and help kids go to college with, you know, four or five teams worth of kids that aren't going to be going to college. Mm-hmm. And, and you and I talked about it's the worst investment anyways. Yep. Yep. <laughs> you know, when you're talking about getting a 25% scholarship to a state school, you know, they're spending all this money for $1,100 scholarship. It'd be better, better money spent to go to Huntington or something and get your SAT scores up and get an academic scholarship instead, right. you know. So right. we've downsized, but we, we've also really beefed up our South. Our South's going to have four or five teams this year. Our West has got two teams. Um, and, and Georgia, they're doing a tremendous job in Georgia. He'll probably have a total of 10, 12 teams with his youth and his, his, um, and his, uh, high school division. Now our youth division, I believe, Kerb, you can correct me if I'm wrong. I believe we have eight or 10 teams in our youth division right now too. Yeah, that's correct. That's correct. Right. So, uh, so I'll just kind of jump in there and sure. kind of solidify. We have a, a Scorpions West program that's uh, run by, uh, headed by Clyde Metcalf. Mm-hmm. Uh, legendary coach over there at Sarasota. That's right. Um, and they run high school and uh, youth teams. Uh, we've got our South that's headed by um, George Perez, who's the uh, head coach at um, St. Thomas. That's right. Um, and then we've got um, our Georgia affiliate um, that's headed by Heath Phillips. Heath uh, was a, was in the big leagues with the Chicago White Sox, um, pitched for Team USA. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Those are kind of our affiliates that um, run underneath our Scorpions umbrella. And then based out of Orlando this year, right, you hit it right on the head. We've got 10 youth teams um, from ages um, 9 to 14. Um, and then we will have uh, teams at the 17U, 16U, and 15U level wow. um, at the high school level. Well, shout out to a couple of those guys, George and, and obviously Clyde, both loyal ABCA members. Clyde Metcalf, a 35-year ABCA member. I know he hit 900 wins this year. Um, so again, shout out to those guys. And, and again, I think perfect laying the platform for us to talk from. So people have an idea of what we're dealing with and, and really from the organizational standpoint, that 30,000 foot overview of 
of what we're talking about moving in a different direction. And that's where this is going. So when we're talking about kind of leading from the front, Bob, I made this reference to you, and I've thought about it a lot since I said it, it really just hit home of the money ball reference of the first guy through the wall always gets bloody. And it's the fact that you guys have the courage to step out front and go, we just want to do this differently. We think there's a better way of accomplishing what's best for the student athletes. So again, making this huge change and and let's get into how the organization is going to approach these months ahead. I know there's a lot of details that go into this. So uh, right, hit us off on that. Give us a brief overview of uh, maybe a glimpse of what it might look like over these next few months that you guys have going for you. Well, basically what we've done, and, and I give Gerb a lot of credit on this because I had an idea of what I wanted to do. Okay. And, and, and that idea was I wanted to get all the scorpions in one place to train at the same time and at the same time, get all of our coaches educated and on the same page. Mm-hmm. And and so, you know, working with Gerb and working with some other people and even Jeremy Booth with New Balance, uh, yep. Future Star Series. I mean, he helped me with deal with Coco. And we, we, we so the first month now will be all training for our players. And what we're going to do is Wednesday, uh, Thursday through Sundays, we're going to literally run training sessions for our players that include weights, baseball, uh, academic stuff, everything from A to Z, college prep. We're going to have uh, showcase time for college coaches and pro scouts. We're going to have on-field time for college coaches and pro scouts. And and, and I, I think I told you this the other day. The biggest thing for me, with the biggest problem I have with travel baseball, and, and this I know offends some people, but you know what? I've been punched in the face a lot growing up in Boston, so I don't really mind getting punched in the face. But the biggest problem with it is it doesn't help the majority of kids who need the help. Mm-hmm. You know, no one needs to go to a game to tell me Dylan Cruz is a first-round draft pick. Yeah. No one needs to go to a game to see our, you know, Judd Fabian's going to be a superstar. And it's not, a, it's nothing, not a knock on Judd and it's not a knock on Dylan Cruz. It's just a fact. I mean, if you can't see that they're a good player after watching five innings, you don't belong coaching baseball anyways. But what, what this is going to now allow people to do is the marginal kid is going to now be able to get on a field with a college coach four days a week or a pro scout four days a week. And they're going to be able to see his work ethic, his personality, his character, everything that, that you have a question mark about in the recruiting process that when you go to a tournament, you can't see. Mm-hmm. You're now going to be able to tilt the wheel one way or another. And that that was really the impetus of this whole thing. So the first month of this now is going to be all development based. It's going to be all training. The only games we'll play will basically be inter-squad games on Sundays. And that'll be a reward for the college coaches and scouts who come and get on the field with us on the weekends. Mm-hmm. Um and then, you know, the month of July, we're going to play in three tournaments. And and you're right. We, you know, I have taken a little bit of a hit and, you know, Gerbil vouched for that. I mean, I've, I've had our coaches called by other organizations, tell them to jump ship. I've had people say I've ruined the Scorpions. I've had, I've had, I mean, you name it. I mean, we have a slogan now, train, train more, play less. And I've had people say, pay more, train, le- uh, you know, play less. And, you know, it, look, if you're, if you're, and you know this too, since you were yeah. a college coach, yeah. like, you know, when I went to Rollins and I told everybody I was going to go to a World Series, I was laughed off the stage. Right. You're talking about a conference where Florida Southern and Tampa went every other year. One yeah. of them was going, you know, and it's just the reality of it is I can't answer to those people because I don't have to. Mm. I have to answer to the 500 families that I'm responsible to of how we're going to help their kids grow. And that doesn't mean that with this new program that every kid's going to get a baseball scholarship. But what it is going to mean is I really believe in my mind two things are going to come out of this. One. For the first time since I've been with the Scorpions, every coach is going to be on the same page. Everybody's going to run the same first and third defense. Everybody's going to run the same bunt defense. Everybody's going to have the same signs. Everybody's mm-hmm. going to have the tra- same training philosophy. So now, not only are coaches interchangeable in the in the program, but so are players. Wow. 
So now we don't have to worry about players. If we have to move a player up from one team to the next, it's not a circus with cutoffs and relays and first and thirds and pickoff mm-hmm. plays. Everything is going to be uniform, which other organizations may already do that, but we didn't. So it kind of takes the coach's ego out of it, but it also allows the coaches to be more comfortable with everything being the same. The other thing this is going to do is it's going to definitely improve every single kid who plays for us. What level of improvement that that's, I can't predict that. I mean, that's going to be a lot on how much the kid's going to want to work on his own time, how much he really wants to get better. But I know for a fact that when you're out there training four days a week, 24 hours a day, you have no choice but to get better. So that, that's really the impetus behind it and really the format. So we really won't start doing any tournaments until probably the last week, weekend in June, you know, the first, you know, in all of July will be our tournaments. And I don't think anybody in our organization now is doing more than three or four tournaments for the entire summer. So it's more training, less games. And the best part about it is while our costs have gone up, and I'm open to say it because now we're paying a hundred grand for a facility for a month. We're paying for a college campus, which is our last week in June at Jacksonville university has agreed to host us in the dorms. You know, our parents don't have to worry about hotels and rainouts. They don't have to worry about sitting in hotels and tournaments that go on for seven days. Mm -hmm. Now you drop your kid off. Everything's all paid for. There's no additional cost. There's no meal cost. There's no nothing. And now you go to three tournaments in July. So Gerb did an awesome job of working out a spreadsheet and we compared the cost of going to seven tournaments versus three in training. And we showed the parents straight out. The numbers don't lie. They're going to save like three or $4,000. So it's really a big deal. And, you know, it, it, it's we've got to find a way to get kids, and you know this as well as I do, yeah. to get over the shock of living in a dormitory, to get over the shock of being around college coaches, to get over the shock of eating cafeteria food, mm-hmm. to get over the shock of having to put yourself to bed at 10 o'clock at night, the night before you have to get your butt kicked at eight. Like these are things now that we can teach these kids. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's the whole big part of it. What are we really doing? How are we really preparing a kid to play in college when all we're doing is playing a tournament? Wow. I love it. You know, so that's really, that's my 10 cents. <laughs> but, <you know. laughs> well, Gerb, uh, I know you're the spreadsheet master. Uh, I just want you to know that Reich invited me to come down for one of those weekends. And so you're just going to add me to your list of dorm rooms for that stays. So I'll let you know. Which <laughs> one. Absolutely. It's, it's, absolutely, absolutely. It's going to happen. We'll, we'll continue the call after we uh, stop recording, but uh, I, I'm, I'm excited about that. Cause I want to see this thing live and in person. And again, I do hope uh, I believe in the system. I believe in what's, what's happening here. I love the development emphasis. Gerb, anything to add to that? Anything that Bob may have left off or, or meat on the bone there for you? Yeah, I think I think a couple things. I think um, I would like to reiterate that you know our job in this industry is to prepare to prepare our kids first to play at the next level, whatever mm-hmm. that might be. Right? We we've got kids. You know, our organization's fortunate enough. I've had the opportunity to coach a first round draft pick every year since two thousand nine. Right? But wow. we we also have we also have kids that are going to NAIA and mm-hmm. you know Division two and SEC and whatever their next step is and the next right step for them too is also important in conversations that we have with our parents a lot is finding the next right step for you. But our job is to prepare them for that. And, hmm. um, you know, there's, there's two sides of that. There's, there's being good enough, but I, you know, I don't want to discount. You have to know how to compete and how to win, you know, and that's something that I honestly learned from coach Reich at Rollins is how to compete and how to win. You know, we were never out of a game, that team that we had. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we won a school record. I don't know what it was, right? 23, 25 straight games, something like that. I don't know. It was ridiculous yeah. at, at a place like Rollins. 
But what it actually they, that winning that winning thing actually gets longer as I get older. <laughs> okay, <laughs> but yeah, it, it was it was like twenty three. It was like twenty three, twenty four games. Yes, yes. But I, I tell people I tell people thirty sometimes. It just depends who I'm talking to. Ten years yeah, from now, exactly. it's a forty five game win streak. Forty five game win streak, correct. Right. But we really knew how to win, and that, and we want when a college coach or a pro scout takes a kid from the Scorpions, we want them to know that they have a winner, mm. right? So you have to still get out there and compete. So when we do go out and compete, the tournaments that we've chosen for our kids to play in are in our in our minds are the best that are out there to be offered. Yeah. We want to go out there and when we play, we want to go compete against the best. So we've chosen the tournaments and everyone can go on our website, scorpnation.com and look at the tournaments mm-hmm. right there, right? And our minds, those are the best ones for us to go compete at the highest level that we can. Okay. Um, and so I think there has to be a, a pair of both. And Reich said, yes, it's a, on Sundays when we scrimmage, it's a reward for them, but they also have to take what they've learned and put it into a game because if you can, nobody wants a practice player. Nobody mm-hmm. wants a five o'clock hitter. They want the guys at the end of the day, college coaches, pro scouts, pro coaches, they get paid to win, right? They, if if Sully it. at Florida doesn't win, he loses his job, yep. right? So That's he's going to recruit the guys that are going to help him win. Right. So we want to make Scorpions players winners. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's a big piece of this. And we'll obviously more questions down the road about what the daily grind looks like. But, yeah. you know, I've, I've talked to a lot of parents this year um, asking questions about the program. And I've just told them this is my, my go to line. If you love baseball, you'll love this. Yes. Right. Yes. If you don't want to work, it, this isn't for you. It's not for everyone. Right. Mm-hmm. Because you're going to be on the field. From 8 a.m. to 9 p.m. every day, um, or in the cages, or in the weight room, or in the classroom, whatever it is, you're going to be putting in long days. Mm. And if, if you don't want to devote your summer to that, then we're not the program for you. Yeah. And that's fine. We're not the program for everyone. Like Coach Reichman said, we've, we've gone back in the amount of teams we've done. We've done that on purpose. We want the guys that we can put our names on. That way, if a college coach calls, we can say yes you want to take this kid because he's going to help you win. <laughs> well, you just walked into that spider web because I do. I, I think our <laughs> listeners want to know what it, what would a typical Thursday through Sunday look like? Like If you could go day by day, Gerben, and, and kind of show us what what does the schedule look like. And I agree with you completely. You're going to find out if this if it's either a hobby or if it's a passion. You're going to find out really yeah. quick who's, who's in the passion category. But take us through the details <laughs> of that. Yeah, hopefully we don't lose half of them after yeah. the first week. <laughs> yeah, it's part of it, man. We'll find out. <laughs> oh, man. So they will um, we'll actually start on Wednesdays. We'll have an open field that's an optional day on okay. Wednesdays. Um, you know, we do have the way our program's constructed. You know, Florida is a pretty large state. You know, we've got kids from, you know, Niceville and the Panhandle all the way down to Miami, mm-hmm. right? And where we're doing this is kind of in the central Florida area on the East Coast. Um, at the Coco, it's called the Coastal Sports Complex. Mm-hmm. Um, so on Wednesdays, we'll have an open field where kids can come, uh, mostly local kids that will be there. Um, so you just give them a couple hours on Wednesday. We'll break it down by grad year where they can come get some loose work in. Okay. Um, but the real fun starts on Thursday morning. They'll come in and they'll check in, um, get, get in their dorm room, um, get a meal. Um, and then we'll spend the first three hours of the day essentially in a team practice mode where each field there will have two teams on it. Um, and we'll be going through our bunt defenses, first and thirds, picks and rundowns, double cuts, 
base running everything that you can think of from a team perspective for the first mm-hmm. three hours of the day. Um, we'll go take an hour for lunch and then we'll split into position groups. Um, we'll have four hours in the afternoon for position groups. Um, and the position groups will be broken down into smaller groups. One will go, you know, each position group will be weight room. Um, if you're an offensive guy, you'll be weight room, offense, defense, and then a downtime, uh, which will be the classroom time. Um, where we'll be going over in this, uh, their data that we, that we will be collecting, mm-hmm. um, on all of their, um, you know, their swings or their pitches or whatever it might be. Um, if you're a position player or excuse me, a pitcher, it'll be the opposite. Obviously it'll be, um, weight room, uh, throwing your bullpen, arm strengthening, and then, and then classroom time. We'll then break for dinner and then we'll come back again, um, seven to nine o'clock at night. Um, and a lot of times at this age, you've got kids that do both, right? They, they mm-hmm. pitch and they hit. Um, so that's seven to nine o'clock time. If you're a position player first, you'll go with the, you'll go with the pitching group. If you're a pitcher first and you need to hit, you go with the hitting group. Mm-hmm. And if you're a guy that just hits and you'll go get more work. Um, <laughs> so that, that we'll, we'll rinse and repeat every Thursday and Friday with, with that day. Okay. So every Thursday, yeah. Friday will be, will be, will be just that. Um, Saturday we'll wake up, um, eat breakfast. And that's when, um, the college coaches and professional scouts will be coming in. Um, we will essentially be running through a full college pregame. Um, I, I don't, I'm not the biggest fan of the, um, you know, the pro style workout. I know that it mm-hmm. serves its purpose in some places. Um, but if I'm a college coach and I'm coming to evaluate a kid, you know, I want to see him get, you know, 70 ground balls and see him move to his left and move to his right mm-hmm. and see him get reads in center field. And more than anything, like we talked about, see how, see how he goes about his business, mm-hmm. right? I tell our kids all the time, if there's a guy, if there's somebody there to, to recruit you and to watch you, for the most part, they know if you're good enough. They've done their research, right? They've called people. They've called your high school coach. They've had a conversation with your Scorpions coach. They've done their background, on you, right? They're not going to show up if they don't think you're good enough, right? Right. So when they show up to watch you play, they're looking for the other things that make you tick and, and that are the intangibles. And, you know, in this setting, you know, when you show up and you watch our guys go through this college pregame, um, you know, you're going to get to see them move around to get them to see them do those type of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in the afternoon, um, we're going to get the evaluators on the field with them. Um, again, go through a lot of position work um, and just have those guys around them so they can talk to them, listen to them. Um, and get to know them as kids. Mm -hmm. And then Sunday we'll run scrimmages and we'll be out of there and we'll give them Monday, Tuesday off. And then we'll get back at it on Wednesday with the open field. Um, so that's essentially your month of June. Um, when you remember the Scorpions program. Oh baby. Reich, anything to add to that? No, I just, I, I'm just really looking forward to it. You know, chief, we, we had two big time guys come in and speak to our parents this year. We had, um, Daniel Dowd come in from the Major League Network. And, you know, obviously, the, you'll notice there's a lot of Rollins alumni in this whole thing. George Prez played for me. Daniel yeah. Dowd's a Rollins alum, you know. And and this, this, and, and even Thick our data guys. Yeah, exactly. Our data <laughs> guy, you know, Kevin, he played for me as well. So you'll notice a, a huge connection. But, you know, Danny came and spoke to us. And he and, and he moved his kid over to the Scorpions from another organization in his last year. And the kid was already committed to Vanderbilt. So, I mean, that was a big tribute to put him yeah. up in front of – you know, all of our parents and, uh, you know, the other thing is, you know, Stan Borowski, the pitching coach with the, uh, the Rays, you know, he brought his son over to us and he spoke to our parents about everything. And, you know, Stan and I actually coached baseball together in Saudi Arabia when I was at Rollins, we went over and did clinics over there for three years. And, 
But the, the one thing that I, I think that's in, important to add to this entire thing, and that is, you know, what Danny O'Dowd said, he said two things to our families. One, if you're not, if you're not, if you're afraid to enjoy the suck, embrace the suck yeah. as a baseball player, you're never going to be successful. Yeah. And the other thing he said is he, he literally addressed all of my coaches and said, shame on you. If you spend this month in a dormitory setting with these kids and you don't build relationship with these players and all you care about is how good of baseball players they are. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think this is, a, I think the one thing that, you know, I don't want anybody to lose sight of in this is this is a growth opportunity for our coaches as yes, well. Yeah. And, and, and that's something that I, that I really do see as a huge value to this. And one of the, like I told you that it's what I miss about college baseball. Mm-hmm. I miss sitting in the locker room playing Xbox with Gerb and the, all the guys and going out and hitting for two hours, then come back in and play Xbox and go back out and do. I mean, I miss those days. Nobody ever complained to me. They may have complained behind closed doors about being on the field 10 hours a day because we're always screwing around together just besides playing baseball. And I, I really, I challenge all of our coaches to take a, uh, take a huge, take the opportunity to get to be, you know, have a relationship with these kids because it's, it's critical to them, but it's also critical to the coach. Yeah. Oh boy. That's huge. Okay. So right. When we're looking at this development plan and we're looking at the metrics that Gerb was going into and, in, in terms of analyzing things and collecting data and all those things, how do you intend to implement that in the development scheme? But then also if I am a college coach or a scout, how will that information be relayed to me? for evaluation purposes? Well, right now we're going to use a company called Baseball Cloud. And Baseball Cloud is owned by one of my former players, Kevin Davidson, who played with the Astros for a while. And mm-hmm. most of his career, he was he was managing people's money and, and you know professional baseball players' money in, in, in the stock market. But he's he's come up with this data plan and he has the ability to to actually extract data from almost any type of machine, flight scope, um, hit tracks, anything and be able to compile it in, in a way that coaches can actually look at graphs instead of looking at just numbers in a spreadsheet. Mm. And, and, and the thing I want for this, and you, I think you and I talked about this, I don't care about the exit velocity champion of the world, and I don't care about <laughs> But the, the, the thing that I do think is valuable in this is twofold. One, you know, you got a pitcher, and you can show him his release points all over the place because this data shows it. Mm-hmm. It has little dots on a grid, and you can see – that when you throw your fastball, you, you have a real tight nucleus. And when you throw your slider, you release points all over the place. Mm-hmm. And that's a way for the coach to be a better coach and a way for the player to understand what you're trying to teach them. And it's factual information or a baseball player that you can show him that, you know, when he's swinging it, you know, pitches middle away, middle away, middle away. And his success rate and his bat speed and everything else is lower. And his exit velocity is 71, but on a ball middle in, his exit velocity is 86 miles an hour and his his success rate higher. You can actually teach kids to, you know, understand the zone, understand mm-hmm. what you're doing at the plate. But the other thing that's great about this is for the college coaches and for the kids. So we'll be able to have all this data, especially since baseball cloud now has, I think 40 or 50 colleges on the system. They can literally type in a kid's name. And I've seen it with like uh, university of Missouri. I think it is or Wichita state. It was excuse me, Wichita state can type, you know, Matt Gerber's name in and it'll pull up his data. Wow. So once our kids are in the system, college coaches can literally say, I want to find a pitcher from the Scorpions who throws 88 to 90 miles an hour left-handed and boom, names will come up with all the data, spin rates, everything. Wow. But the other great thing about this that I think people do not look at, which I am looking at is the average X velocity in the SEC is say 94 miles an hour. And you have 
30 kids in our organization who all they want to do is play at the University of Florida and 28 of them have exit velocities of 82. Mm -hmm. I can sit down with the parents and say, look, I understand, you know, Eckstein played there and, and broke the mold and he was a one in a million. It, do you really want to take the chance of being that one in a million or do you want to be a superstar somewhere else? Sure. You know, so th there's, th there's a couple ways to look at this data. I don't, I'm not really a big fan. If I, you know, if I owned an indoor facility and I wanted to have a, you know, an exit velocity champion of the month, that's one thing, but I don't want this to turn into a, you know, a King Kong chest beating thing because I have the highest spin rate in the organization because mm -hmm. it's, it's useless. You know, how does that data going to translate towards our development? How are we going to use this data to show a kid and show a family? This is where you should be going to school. Or this is why this is not successful. And I think one of the best stories Kevin told me last year was there was a pitcher pitch for the Reds, and I don't know his name, so I probably shouldn't even tell the story because I don't know all the, the whole facts. But the pitcher from the Reds, his ERA was like five point something. The Dodgers traded for this guy, brought him in a room, and showed him that his data was, you know, he wasn't throwing he, when he threw thirty five percent sliders. His he had a better success rate, and when he threw his fastball in a certain zone, he had a better success rate. He ended the season with a one point something ERA. Wow. That to me, it, that to me is what data should be used for. It's it's not the breastfeeding. I'm I'm the I'm, I have the highest exit velocity. Who cares? Mm -hmm. I mean, really, who cares? And you know, it's I think if we use it for development and we use it to help get kids to go to the right schools and we help college coaches look for what they're looking for, mm -hmm. so they can go into it and say, okay, well, I need to see this kid play, even though he may be on the select team and not the founders club team. Gerb said, his, you know, his defense is a little bit iffy right now, but if he's, you know, the kid's got 101 exit velocity, maybe instead of just watching our top team play, the college coaches will go watch our other team play. Mm -hmm. So those are the reasons why I think that data is invaluable. The other thing, too, which we have a little secret in our pocket that's not a secret anymore, <laughs> we're going to have virtual reality this year, too. Oh, wow. So we're going to have the ability to actually have our guys hit in virtual reality and, and be able to face Clayton Kershaw and people like that. And... um they're going to be able to, you know, subscribe to a membership, which I think is a hundred bucks a year to be able to compile all that information and data as well. So our kids are going to be, they're going to be techie this year and not just on their cell phones. They're going to be techie techie for baseball. Sure. I'm first in line on the VR when I get there. Um, Gerb, <laughs> anything to add to that in terms of the data and the collection and the relay process, anything to add? Yeah, absolutely. I was actually uh, at a high school game this week and uh, uh, Josh Jordan from Duke was in town mm -hmm. watching two of his commits and um, that play for us and we were talking about it this whole business for for us on the recruiting side you know and in life in general right is based on relationships right mm -hmm. the relationships that you gain over time the trust that you gain with these coaches that they can call you and you know you say hey i've got a guy for you and they listen yeah and that, that's that's important but what i told josh is i'm super excited about you know if i tell if i tell josh man i got this kid that can really hit right yeah. I'm going to be able to send them data on 450 at bats, you know, because we're lucky enough at the facility we're at, we've got a couple pro hitters. So our goal is to put up the, the, the track man or whatever it might be, the rap soto on that machine. And our guys are going to face 90 to 93 with a 78 to 81 mile an hour slider, like they're going to do in college. And we're mm -hmm. going to get them 40 to 50 at bats a day. You know, that's one of their rotations. Okay. So, at the end of this, I'm going to be able to go to a college coach and give 450 at bats of data collected. And if I say this kid can hit, yeah. it's going to be backed up, right? This kid can hit, right? Wow. It's, it's, it's not, you know, it's so, so I'm really excited about that. But like Rick said, I think more than anything, it's more about the development for us, right? Yeah. 
son, you hit the ball on the outer third better than you do on the inner third. Okay, let's go up there and let's start hunting fastballs away, right? Son, you're a high spin rate guy on the mound. Start throwing your fastball up in the zone. Son, you're a sinker. Like, understanding who you are so you can be the best version of yourself on the field. Mm -hmm. And from a coaching staff, having that data, um, and I know it was on one of your podcasts. I think it, I can't remember. I think it was one of the hitting ones um, where they were talking. We were talking about data in baseball, right? And I think the yeah. I think the quote was something along the lines of, you know, as a coach, you know, the data is there to back up what you've been teaching for all these years, right? Yeah. It's not something brand new. It's there to back up what you've been telling these guys. And I think that's what's exciting is the breadth and the amount that we're going to be able to get, but also be able to use that and take that at an amateur level. Because I think the pro guys, they get this, right? Mm -hmm. it, it's, it's there and they have access to it now. I and mean, how many high school kids are going to have, have, can have access to 500 at-bats of uh, data collected? Not many, Gosh. right? Not many. And I think it's going to help our guys really understand who they are better. Um, and that will hopefully help them produce better uh, once they get into the game. Wow. Well, I think the episode you're referencing was uh, 125, Rob Ruiz from Westmont and Brett Thomas from Blast. That is it. Um, yeah. And breaking yep. that down. Just, and again, I think that's where we've talked a lot on this show. Again, I'm, I'm very, um, I guess, hopefully transparent when I say this, but, you know, three years ago, this, this conversation around technology and data was so terrifying for me as a former college coach and probably wasn't even close to utilizing even video. I wasn't really in that space and it scared me to talk about it on here. And then you got into a place where it seems like almost every good coach that we talk to can bring up and talk about freely and openly about how they're utilizing technology or how they're understanding data and how they've embraced this new, I guess, you know, culture for lack of a better term inside of our sport, because man, that, that's the language and that's how things are getting related back to. And that's how, again, from an evaluation standpoint, we're able to maybe uh, cross evaluate guys as go, well, man, he's over here doing this, but his numbers over here say this. Uh, and then obviously you guys throwing the live ABs back, back behind it is huge. I do. You just open a door, another door, Gerb. I feel like you know exactly where I'm going with this. Um, <laughs> but you talked about, you know, Josh Jordan, who again was our national assistant coach of the year for Division One. But I'm thinking about all the college coaches and obviously all the professional scouts that follow what the Scorpions are doing. What does this change mean for them? And I, and I think um, maybe into that question is what's the feedback you've gotten past what Josh has given? But then how does this change affect the players in the recruiting process? Because I'm guessing you mentioned earlier being on the field with those guys. That's a huge hurdle. Again, communicating uh, personality differences and, and understanding who these kids are. Take us into that entire dialogue. Yeah, I mean, I think it can go one of two ways for our players, right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, the guys that are um, are winners and the guys that bust their tail every day um, are going to really benefit. Yeah, you know, the guy that um, you know that will help you win a ball game is going to benefit from it. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the guy that can, you know, hit the ball a long way at five o'clock, um, probably won't benefit. From it. Um, <laughs> sure. you know, I think I, th I, I want to go back real quick. Though. I think you said something about the language. Um, mm -hmm. you know, we've spent a lot of time as a coaching staff. Um, we've been meeting as a group, um, um bi-monthly leading up into this where, we're trying to prepare right because essentially this you know the volume of kids that we're trying to move through this yeah. and and to give them the same each of them whether you're the number one player or the number 200 player the same experience right that's huge for us mm -hmm. right 
we we've had we've it's, it takes a lot of preparation right and, and a lot of the preparation has gone to understanding the language that baseball speaks now yep. and specifically with data um and i don't think it means that you're a bad coach if you don't understand it no um mm-hmm. i i can raise my hand and say i've got a lot to learn still mm-hmm. um you know but when i went to josh and had that conversation with him, his exact words were, man, now you're speaking my language. There it is. Right? Yeah. So it's just funny that you use that word because that's yeah. exactly what he said to me. Um, wow. But I think these college guys, again, I think that um, at, at least, and it trickles down, right? At the, at the major division mm-hmm. one level, obviously the narrative out there, we all talk about it, the early recruiting, and it's happening earlier and earlier. And I think there's some coaches out there that say they love it. There's some coaches out there that say we do it because we have to do it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And there's no way that any of us, no matter how good they are at their job or how much baseball you've seen, can look at a 14 year old player and know exactly what he's going to be when he's no 21. There, there's just no way. Yeah. So there's swings and misses. Right. Um, shoot. You know, and I'll, I'll, I'll say it, you know, I talk to Sully all the time, great friend of mine, right? Yeah. And one of Sully's best shortstops over the last couple of years is a kid named Nolan Fontana. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and Nolan, and I tell us to Sully all the time, I said, Nolan would have never played for you if recruiting was like it is then, you know, if it, essentially if we were doing the early recruiting yeah. when he was going through the process. No doubt. As a, as a freshman or sophomore in high school, Nolan Fontana was 5'8 and 140 pounds, but he could play the game. Yeah. He could play the game. Yeah. And then he grew into his own, ended up being the first pick in the second round at college, led Florida to College World Series, I believe, three times, you know. So what I'm getting at is I think that the data will help us. Will, I think it will honestly help colleges be sure, more sure on guys, right, mm-hmm. because they can understand what they're getting instead of having to make a call on what Coach Gerber says and the 15 at-bats they say or, you know, what Coach Gerber says and the six innings on the mound that they see. Right, gathering all this data will help these college guys be more sure of the investment that they're making, know that they're getting a, a proven product. Um, so I think that's a huge key in, in what we're doing and um, will help these guys in the recruiting process. And it's something I think nationwide these college guys are going to want to see more and more of because, again, it's going to make their jobs easier. If I know this kid's got a average exit velo of 98 miles an hour off the bat versus pitches 92 miles an hour or harder, yeah. I'm probably going to want to recruit that guy, right? You know, if and and if his average exit velo is 72 against 92, it's probably a guy that can't handle the, the velocity that I need him to at the next level, right? Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I think that's a big, big part of the data and um, how it's going to affect uh, the recruiting process for our kids. Um, they're going to have to put up or shut up, essentially. Uh, so. <laughs> well, I know a lot of this is still yet to be determined, Ger, but um, you know, cause I, I think they want to see how it's going to look and it's better to see it at the end and say it was great or it was, you know, here's where we can improve. Yeah. But from the place we're at right now and the college coaches you're talking with, when they're looking ahead at this model and certainly they're starting to wrap their mind around how you're going to do things, what's the direct feedback you're hearing from those guys? Like love it, hate it, trying to understand it. What, what, what's kind of feedback you're getting from those guys? I think love it. First of all, yep. love it. I think from a recruiting standpoint, right? They've only got so many weekends mm-hmm. that they're able to be out. Um, obviously, you know, not this year, but going forward with the new recruiting calendar, it's going to shrink it even more. Um, I think they really like that they can knock out our organization in one weekend. There you right? go. They can come. Okay. They can come down and they can see every player in our organization in a weekend, mm-hmm. right? And just knock us out and be like, okay, I've seen the Scorpions. Now, when I go to whatever it is, 
I don't need to, I don't need to necessarily see them unless there's kids. Obviously, they'll probably have five, six kids they want to follow up with, watch them play more in games and make a decision mm-hmm. on. But I think they're super excited that it's just going to be. Obviously, we're blessed that we've been around for a long time and have a resume that says that we're going to have next level players. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think just that confinement is something they're really excited about. They know that again, they can come in you know two or three days and really hone in on what we've got, um, pick up the data while they're in town. Um, and and make their list of guys that they want to follow uh, throughout the rest of the summer. Um, so everything we've heard has been really positive. Yep. Um, you know, they're excited about being able to get to know the kids. Um, you know, they're excited. We haven't heard much negative yet, but obviously I think the, uh, you know, the details are going to be very important. And like you said, you know, we're not going to be perfect this first year around. There's going to mm-hmm. be, this program's going to look different from year to year. And our job, as I've said, as coaches and as, as a staff, is to continue to get better and to provide the most value that we can for our parents. Coach Reichman is huge on that in our staff meetings. What value are we giving to our parents? We've got scholarship programs, health insurance, and all sorts of stuff that we do away from the baseball field for our parents that is not just your regular travel baseball, pay your check, and go play some tournaments. Right? We want to create value for our parents. And I think that going forward, this industry needs to focus on that. You know, as an organization, are you creating value for your families? Okay, is it, it's not it's not just showing up. But what are you doing to make them a better person, to make them a better player, and to give them more than just their pay your team fee and show up to a tournament and play? Wow, Reich, anything to add to all that? I know we're talking a lot, a lot there, but just what does it mean for the college coaches and scouts? What are you hearing from them, and and what's it look like for the players? So one of the things I did this past summer is when we were making the circuit of the tournaments, I would talk to the college coaches and scouts, and and a couple of them made it pretty clear to me. We we had, we had a sports weekend last year, and we had a few college coaches show up, and and they were just like, "Can you please do this more often? <laughs> We'd much rather watch you guys play against each other than go sit at these tournaments." And you know, you know. You got to understand, like you know the whole Division One thing that's going on, but you know you, now you now you take that down to Division Two and Division Three and NAI and JUCO. These poor guys, half of them might even getting reimbursed to go to these tournaments, and they got to pay to get in and all that kind of stuff. So to be able to come to watch an entire organization and see two hundred kids at the same time and the same weekend, and be able to come four weekends in a row if they want, get on the field with them and actually interact with them. Mm-hmm. This is the feedback I've gotten is they wish more people would do it. Okay. And and I think that that was the impetus for us was was really the feedback we got from the college coaches. I think that they, that Gerb said, you know, we, we sat and talked about it as an organization. How can we get our kids more exposure without, you know, having them run around all over the country? And how can we get the college coaches, more college coaches from all levels to see our kids? Yeah. Because, you know, you know, honestly, the big schools, they don't need our help. Just like our best players don't need our help. You know, they're going to get the best players. They have the big recruiting budgets. They can fly and go anywhere they want. They just, you know, I'm not saying it's any less stressful, and I'm not saying that it's any less demanding on their family time, mm-hmm. but it's 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 this other schools that can't fly to Atlanta, that can't fly over here to Nashville, that can't do this, that now they're going to be able to drive two hours to be in Cocoa and be able to, you know, see a 200 kids. It's, it's a gift. Yeah. It's a gift. Right. Jump on this real quick, because, again, we're talking about the recruiting calendar uh, with these guys and certainly them being present, how does this model again? As, as those new rules fall into effect in August moving forward, how does it? How will this model work directly with those changes? I think it really helps us because you know we're, we'll you know we don't play a lot of tournaments in the fall anymore. Anyways, it's especially with the older groups, it becomes more difficult now with 
all the other commitments these guys have near the end of the summer with East Coast Pro and right, right. Perfect Game National. So, you know, I and I can tell in the fall, a lot of these kids are still doing their college visits and they're doing official visits and it gets thin. So mm-hmm. I think going with the training program in the fall and, and really getting our older kids ready for Jupiter and, and our younger kids playing in the essential tournaments. So we're going to we're going to be a host this year for Future Stars Super Regional um, in the end of September. And then yeah. you got Jupiter and, you, and you've got the, um, you know, the, the underclass games. So I, I really believe the way we're doing it, we'll be able to continue. We'll train the entire month of September. And then we'll go right back into, you know, a couple of tournaments to end the season. But I, I don't see us doing more than two or three tournaments in the fall either. Wow. Gerb, what about you? Yeah, absolutely. I think, correct me if I'm wrong, Sheets, but I, I believe that the recruiting calendar for the fall essentially has shrunk to four weeks. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's from, you know, the essentially September and into the second week of October, Yeah, um, which is a much shorter time, yeah. right, that we can actually be out there and – uh, be evaluated um, by college coaches and the fall I think is hugely underrated from a recruiting standpoint I think a lot of, because of the early recruiting I think kids get on radars during the summer and then the follow-up and the actual offers a lot of times happen in the fall yeah, right yeah. so with that with that time being shorter and shrunk you know what value are we giving to our parents right like w- what can we do to make sure that their investment is is essentially paying off and they're getting something out of it. And yeah. I think that continuing this model into the fall, obviously, um, you know, we'll probably have to be a little bit shorter Friday night, Saturday, Sunday, as opposed to Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, because yeah. kids have school. Um, but I think the idea and the model is, um, is something that um, the industry as a whole is going to have to think about. Um, because if you don't make changes with your surroundings and your and your atmosphere, then and you're going to be in, in a world of hurt. Wow, you know I, I hate to be redundant here, but I, I am. I just love this point, and both of you have, have made it. When you're talking about your coaches, the, the Scorpion coaches that are involved in your organization, Gerb, what is kind of maybe your end goal? If you could boil it down to, at the end of this, you want them to uh, take home and their personal takeaway from this opportunity with those kids. What do you hope that the, What do you hope that that is? I'm going to steal this from Dan O'Dowd. Okay. We don't want them to be transactional. We want them to be transformational. There it is. Okay. Um, we, we want our kids to look back at their time with the Scorpions and say those were the best four years of, of high school or have been with us since the youth, the best eight years of my baseball life. But more importantly, those are relationships that, that were made for a lifetime. Mm-hmm. I got, you know, I'm going to invite Coach Goodrich to my wedding. I'm going to invite, you know, Coach Kennedy um, you know, call him when I, when I find out I'm having my first baby, right? Like those type of things, we want to be transformational in their lives and set examples as leaders and as men as to what they need to be when they get older. You can take the baseball and throw it out the window. I want our coaching staff to be transformational and to make relationships. And I think that, and we said this at our parent meeting, there's, if our coaches are doing their job, there's no way they won't be like that because we will be in dorm rooms, eating in mess halls with these kids on a, on a daily basis. <laughs> we're going to be out there sweating in the Florida heat with them on a daily basis. And we're going to be in the trenches with them. And I, I'm super excited about our coaching staff. We've got a bunch of really hard workers. Um, Johnny Goodrich, who just won a 400th game at Spruce Creek High School, um, is the director of coaching for our program and does a great job. Um, we call him the general, um, you know, he's, he's, he's unbelievable. He 
Yep. He just that's the only way to put it. And um, you know, I think we all kind of follow his lead on the field. And you know, I'm just excited to to, to make relationships and for all of our coaches to make relationships with their players. And, you know, be the guy that's there if they, you know, they had a tough time at school or they broke up with their girlfriend or whatever it is. We want to be there for them. And you can take baseball out the window. I think that's what's important. On a day that I tweeted, reference transformational versus transactional. I love it. Perfect fit. Didn't mean that. Didn't see that tweet sheet, so man, I apologize. No, you said it. I just laughed, man. That's just. It, I love how that stuff comes back up. Um, Reich, you you went passionately about this in terms of what you want those coaches to have. Here's another opportunity. What do you want them to get out of this? Relationships are everything in coaching, and I, and I go back to one of my one of my early years when David Johnson was coaching with me at Rollins College. He was volunteering and helping me out, and you know you got a major league manager sitting there with you every single day. And he pulled me aside one day and he said, you know, right. He says, if I was managing in the big leagues today, I'd take you as my bench coach, but you're never going to be a great coach until you care about your players more than you care about your success. Yeah. And, and, and that, that, that struck a bell with me as a young coach, you know, I was probably 29 years old and thinking, I thought I was the man. And I want our coaches to get out of this is learning how to build relationship with kids instead of just ordering kids around and assuming kids are going to do what you tell them to do. And also I want them to develop themselves and not be closed minded. Maybe look at the coach next to you and listen to what he's saying. Listen, this college coach comes in and works with the outfielders. Why is that guy a college coach? And I'm a travel ball coach. Like it's, there's no knock on being a travel ball coach, but we have a lot of young guys that I think could be really good college coaches. What are you going to do to improve your stock? If, if you really want to progress as a coach. So I think that we, I'd like to not only be able to provide kids an opportunity to go to the next level, I'd like the Scorpions to start being an, an organization that gets coaches to the next level as well. Oh, I love that. Build the coaching tree. I like that. I saw exactly where you were going with that one. Um, okay, so Reich, we and we've all laid out, when you're looking at what the parents do, and it's probably more of a cost-benefit analysis of what's going to be much better for them and their checking account. When you're talking about the player, the recruiting process, the development process when you're talking about the college coach when you're talking about the scouts when you're talking about the overall growth and and development within of the scorpions organization right who do you think benefits the most if you had to nail it down to somebody who do you think falls falls on the on the better side of this that's a great question you know and and uh, i think that the biggest benefit beneficiary of this if we do our job is the kid and the family there you go i mean i i really believe that because if you know, one of the things that I, when I did when I came to the Scorpions and I bought the Scorpions two years ago was, and Gerbil vouched for me, you heard him say it already today, is about value. I don't want to just be about playing baseball games. Everybody can just play baseball games. Mm-hmm. And what's going to separate the Scorpions from somebody else is what we always talk about in our meetings. Yeah. But to me, if the benefit of this program is not for the, for the parent and the kid, then we failed. I mean, I, I, that's a short answer, but I, I don't know any other way to explain it. I mean, yeah. that's our goal. I mean... It, it, it's it's I want our our families and our kids to actually get value out of being a scorpion. And that doesn't mean you're going to get a college scholarship. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? So to quantify that value, what is it? Well, to an average kid, it may be that you get a chance to play Division three baseball, Division two baseball, NAIA baseball to our top kid. Maybe it's that he's more prepared to play at the SEC right away as a freshman and knows how to hit cutoff men. I mean, if you talk to pro guys and you talk to college guys, Kids can't run the bases anymore. Kids can't hit a cutoff man anymore. So really the goal is to make the benefit for the kid and his family. That's that's my ultimate goal in this whole process. I love it. Gerb, anything to add to that? You see it the same way? I do see it the same way, but I, I'm gonna I'm gonna agree, but also kind of throw in that I truly do believe as a 
coach, um, there's just no way you can't get better um, yeah. with what we've done. Yeah. Um, when we just, I just quick, quick story. When when we decided, okay, this is what we're going to do. First thing that came to my mind as a, as the director of operations is, okay, I'm going to pull this off. Like I've got, <laughs> sure. you know, I, I've got, you know, I got to get through 120 hitters in a day and make sure that they get copious amount of swings. Mm-hmm. Like what's, what's important to me? Like, what do I want to do? I'm going to start writing down my plan. And what did I do? I spent a week on the phone, Cliff Godwin, you know, yeah. Chuck Jerome, and, yeah. um, you know, Craig Bell, the list goes on of people, you know, Mike Clement, like I just called all these people, like what's important to you? What do you guys do? Like, and I just took notes, right? Like mm. that exercise in and of itself made me better. Yeah. Um, so I had, I had to do those things, you know, and it, it made me better. So I think our coaches are going to be a lot better. Oh, that's fantastic. Okay. So Gerb, when we're looking at the overall Scorpions organization and, and again, the implementation of this development model the buildup, the planning, the scheduling, the meeting. I love, you know, right. You're talking everybody get on the same page. Now we're going to have an, an organizational approach to this. Um, Gerb, how would you classify the change within in terms of we've been known to do this and this has been our model, but man, halt, <laughs> put a, you know, put a line in the sand. That's where that ends. And we're going down this way. What's been the response inside the organization? Extremely positive. Awesome. I think um, we've got a lot of guys that, we do have some newer coaches, but we do have a lot of guys that have been in this quote unquote game for, for a long time. Um, and, um, you know, I don't think right nor myself make a lot of decisions unilaterally. Mm-hmm. Um, we'd like to get feedback before we do it. We like to talk to our staff before we do things. And uh, I, I can tell you, our staff is extremely excited and anybody outside of our circle that, questions what we're doing or why they why we're doing it they've got an answer for them very quickly and they believe in what we're doing that's great right see it the same way absolutely i mean the feedback has been tremendous and and quite honestly i was floored the day we made the announcement on twitter and when i announced it all the all the private messages and emails from other travel ball organizations across the country but you know pro guys and college guys and and i was i was at a college baseball game last night and I, i was talking to a guy that was rookie of the year in 1979 and he's like, I, I am so excited with what you're, the change you're making. It's long overdue. Wow. And, and to me, like that's, you know, sheets, that's to me, you know, I'm just a baseball coach, yeah. you know, and I'm an old school baseball coach. And, and I told you some of the guys I coach with are very successful people mm-hmm. and very successful guys in the ABCA. But I come from the era of listening to Frazier talk and listening to Gustafson talk. And like I said, and, and they had a way about them that was different than today. I can mm-hmm. tell you it, it is very different. And people say the times don't change and people don't change, but I respect certain people. And when I, when I, when I made decided to make this change and I brought everybody in and we talked about it and I put Gerb in charge of all the operational stuff of it. And we hired a guy that run just the coaches this year and pay him. You know, I made a concerted effort to understand one thing. I got people to answer to. Yeah, and who are the and who are those people? Is it other travel ball organizations? Absolutely not. That's they're none of my business. What is my business though is people that I respect, that I grew up with, and and, and that taught me how to coach. And when they come to me and say, "Man, you know, your top team is embarrassing to watch," I've had that said to me. Wow, I've had that said to me. And you know, now we've made this change, and 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 I can even 
talk to those same guys and be like, man, we're so proud of you and we're so proud of the organization and what you're doing is, is so awesome for the kids and it's about time. So I've seen an about face. I, I have seen a 100% about face and Gerb's right. I don't, you know, I may own this company. We have meetings every Tuesday, but we have open wars yeah. on Tuesdays and Gerb will vouch for that. We have wars and, and <laughs> we, we go to war and we, and we decide what's best for the organization and we decide what's best for the kids. And, you know, we don't always agree, but when we leave the meeting, we all agree. And, and it's been a great group of people, but I definitely have heard nothing but positive from people that I respect for sure. And quite honestly, there's other travel ball organizations out there that I have a tremendous amount of respect for that have come to me and said, man, you got guts and I'm so, I'm so glad you did it. So we may see this, this, you know, take on across the country. We may not, but yeah. I know it's the right thing for us. Well, I'm telling you, and this is just because I'm on the other side of this call. I think if any listeners paying attention and stepping away and really taking your words for what they are, you're hearing egoless and you're hearing selfless and you're hearing obviously transparency, but you're hearing all the things that obviously as Gerb knows as a loyal listener, those things resonate with our community. Those are the, those are the, the people we like to connect with. But I think more than that is the ability for you all to step back and go, we don't have the answers. we got a great model and it's really working for who we are, but if it can be better, if there's a better way, why wouldn't we pursue it? And I think that's, again, you can, you can be winning championships right and left. But if you're not constantly thinking of new ways to improve or take a different route or better the people around you, I think you're missing the boat, but Reich, you just walked into that one. And I want you to take this first is just, if there are other organizations listening to this and they're going, but man, our model is this, and we've done it this way. And this makes the most sense for us. How would you persuade them to maybe look at it, things a little bit differently and maybe come over and adopt your model? Well, I think there's two things they can look at. One, I think is the cost of families is one of the major factors, you know, yeah. in, in this whole thing. <clears throat> you know, you know it, the amount of money parents are spending to play baseball is starting to, you know, it, it's, 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 it's something that's always talked about behind closed doors, but a lot of people don't come right out and say it, but it's excluding a, a large number of kids who are athletes at the young ages, And, yeah. and I think that's one thing. And, and, I don't want to sit here and be the guy that picks on tournament companies and everything else, but it's expensive. It's our largest cost. Sure. And you know, that's one thing. But the second thing is if you're truly a coach, if you're truly call yourself a coach or a teacher, what is your priority? Is your, is your priority as a teacher to make sure every single kid gets a 1600 on the SAT? I don't think that's the case. Is my priority as a coach to just win national championships or to win every game? I don't think that makes you a good coach. Mm -hmm. So when I look at this as a coach, what are we going to do in the coaching profession to help make our kids better baseball players? Wow. And I don't think playing baseball every single day is making our kids better baseball players. Because I can tell you this, you know, I played against guys like Glavin in high school, you know, DeSarcino, Major League All-Stars. We played 20 games in Legion, 20 games in high school if we didn't get snowed on. And those guys played hockey, football, baseball, everything else. So I know for a fact, I have historical proof that playing more does not make you a better baseball player. Mm. You know, what? so to me, if you're playing the right way and you're playing more and you're developing and you're training, I'm okay with it. Yeah. But I think we need to really look, take a step back and see why American kids are not developing as much as kids from other places. And, and I, I guess I got my pro baseball hat on. But there's a reason why all these teams are going to other countries now and signing 15 and 16 year old kids yeah. to play baseball. And, and those kids, you watch them throwing balls against the wall. There's videos all over the internet. You can see it. And, you know, it's our kids are playing when it's organized only. 
So we've got to take a step back and create a work ethic and a, and a mentality with these kids. That's about training themselves when they're not around people. They go out to the field and take swings on your own, go out to the field and throw, take a bucket of baseballs at home plate and throw them all to center field and then take them to center field and throw them all the way back. We've got to get baseball back to training yeah. and not just playing. Period. That's outstanding. Gerb, try to back that one up. <laughs> that's, that's a tough one right there. Thanks, Greg. <laughs> sure, no doubt. Oh, man. I think, can you, can you re, uh, re, yeah, re go through I, the original question? I just think if, if there's other organizations listening to this and, they, and they're trying to get more details on what you guys have decided to do and they're going, I don't know, man, maybe, maybe we could push them over the edge, man. Help them kind of see the bigger picture here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's about value. It's about what you do for your families mm -hmm. and it's about relationships. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, um, competing is important and we haven't cut that out. You know, we got to be clear on that. We're still going out and playing the best and playing against the best. It's important. You have to compete. But if if you are challenging yourself as an organization, as a coach, to be transformational, there's no better way to do it than to get in the trenches with the kids. Mm -hmm. There's no better way. Yeah. Um, and I think it comes down to that. You know, you can take the the business aspect and spin it however you want. The people that are successful in this business are the people that are in it for the right reasons. And I think if you go through the top travel programs, um, he's getting a lot of these guys put a lot of time and effort into it. I think that goes unnoticed, um, in, in our industry. And I, I, I'm fortunate enough to be good friends with a lot of them. And I know that the majority of them, there's always, you know, a, a bad, you know, bad bunch and everything you do, but mm -hmm. I can tell you the majority of the guys out there care and are, passionate about their kids and you know i would challenge them to look themselves in the mirror and say you know how can i be better how can i continue to get better um, and i think this is a way that you can do that wow okay last question i have for you guys you've both offered dime after dime and some some great nuggets inside this interview but gerb when you're thinking about the best advice you've been given this can be life advice this can be baseball advice coaching advice doesn't matter but best advice than anything else you got kind of clear the air Get it out there, empty your pockets, and and then drop it on our listeners. What do you got? Best advice I've ever been given is if you do what you love, you'll never work a day in your life. There it is. Um, and um, I'm fortunate enough and, and thankful to to coach um, that I'm able to do what I love, and I hope it's borne through by my passion on this subject. Um, I love affecting kids' lives, yeah. and I love the phone calls I get. Um, you know, 10, 15 years later thanking me for being a part of their life. Um, so um, that's number one. And, um, you know, my final caveat, I think, is, you know, for all the listeners out there, um, I know that the guys and ladies that listen to this podcast do it so that they can challenge themselves to get better. Um, and I would continue to challenge you to listen in, not just a plug, but every time a new podcast pops up, it's on my phone. It's in my car, and I've learned so much. And I hope that uh, you know this this hour or whatever long it was um, that, that the listeners pick something up. Love it, right? Take us home on that, man. Best advice and other advice. What do you have to offer? I think the best advice I've ever gotten was from my dad, and, and he always said, "When you're whenever you're in charge of anything, always surround yourself with people that are better than you at what you do." And mm. and I've been and I've been fortunate to do that as a coach. I've always surrounded myself with great kids and and uh, great coaches who always gave up their time for me and made me better and made our program better. And, and I can honestly say with the Scorpions, I've done the same thing. I'm very fortunate with the 
my staff. I'm very fortunate with our coaches and, and even the, even the partners, you know, Marucci and, and, um, you know, uh, ACEs nation that does all our scholarships and giving people prescription drug discounts and health insurance and life insurance. Now, like, I, I just feel like I, I've taken my father's words to heart and, and I didn't go into this thinking I knew everything. I went into this thinking I needed a great team of people around me. And, and I'm very proud of the Scorpions right now. I'm very proud of our families, our kids. Uh, and I'm very, and I'm very thankful that I'm back in baseball and in, 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 in a, at a level where I can actually help kids do something that I had a chance to do, you know, and you're talking about a guy that played division three baseball, you know, and, and at a school that was all doctors and lawyers. And I, I fell a couple of credits short of being a doctor and a lawyer, but you know, it's, uh, I just, I just, I like seeing people succeed as, as tough as people think I am. I'm the kind of guy that watches miracle and starts crying in the end, you yeah. know, and, and I, you know, when, when people, when people succeed, I, I, I truly get emotional and I yeah. love seeing kids succeed. And, and it's, uh, it's a very rewarding thing being around kids and, and seeing kids happy and excited. And I think this is now the time that we take amateur baseball to the next level. I don't even want to use the term travel baseball anymore. I really want to call it amateur baseball because you know, it, I want it to be better than what it is. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and I think we're on the right track. So I'm, I'm really excited. I'm very thankful that you, you know, you took the time with us today and very thankful to be part of such a great organization. Absolutely. Thank you. Well, if people do want to get in touch with you, Reich, how would they go about doing that? What are your social handles and, and how do people reach out to you? Uh, they can, they can reach out to me right on the internet. All my contacts on at scorpnation.com. They can either email me, they can, you know, yell at me on Twitter. They can yell. At me. I, I don't, I'm not on Instagram as much because I, I I'm as much as I like pictures and books. I hate looking at pictures on a, on social media, <laughs> but, um, and, and, and quite honestly, they can call us. I mean, I'm, yep. I, I've had some great conversations with people and that, and that's one thing I didn't say, you know, when I, when we're talking about, you know, what if people want to do this, call us, Yeah. you know, don't feel like you got to step out on the ledge alone because we've already stepped out on the ledge. So if, if someone needs anybody to talk to, or you want a partner in crime, just give us a call. And we'd be more than happy to talk to anybody, anybody about anything at any time. Love it. Gerb, what about you? How can people reach out? Yeah, same thing. Scorenation.com. Uh, my uh, Twitter handle is uh, I run under the alias at Orlando Scorps. So you can find me there. <laughs> I love it. Gentlemen, again, I'm, I'm very excited and I'm, I'm daydreaming about probably a few weeks from now getting down there and seeing this thing in person. I'm, I'm thinking I'm going to pack these cameras. Let's see if we can't really do something really cool while we're there, do a feature on you guys. But I think more than that, I'm just beyond gracious for loyal members like you all and guys who are passionate about the ABCA. And certainly from where we sit, we just want to be part of the solution. We just want to help. And we thought this was a great piece to highlight as a way of, of guys, again, stepping out of their comfort zone, doing things differently, but the spirit behind it is it might be the better way. And so we're certainly pushing for that. Hope this works out great for you all. Matt Gerber, Bob Reichman, thanks for jumping on with us. We wish the very best to you, the Scorpions, everybody involved. So again, thanks for jumping on with us, guys. Thanks for having us. Thanks, Sheets. Really appreciate it. Thanks so much for dialing into our Calls from the Clubhouse podcast and connecting with these great teachers and coaches. If you're interested in more of these shows, check us out on iTunes, hit subscribe, and dive right in, or head over to abca.org slash podcast and scroll through all of our episodes. Another huge thanks to the great people over at AstroTurf for sponsoring this podcast. So if you're looking to do any field upgrades at your facility, head over to astroturf.com. That's astroturf.com and see why they have been ahead of the curve for over 50 years. Now here at the American Baseball Coaches Association, our mission is to serve coaches around the world. 
So let us know how we can help. Head over to our website, abca.org, if you're looking for more information. Also, follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at ABCA1945. And make sure you subscribe to our new YouTube channel over at youtube.com slash ABCA1945 for the latest videos and projects that we have on deck for each of you. And finally, feel free to reach out to me directly if I can help you out on Twitter and Instagram at CoachSheets3 or by email sheets, S-H-E-E-T-S, at abca.org. We'd love to hear from our loyal members and continue to find ways to keep growing the game together. So as always, coaches, thanks for staying dialed into our Calls to the Clubhouse podcast. Until next week, we ask you keep growing, you keep developing, you keep challenging yourself inside this game. We wish you and your club the very best, and thank you for what you're doing for the game of baseball. Baseball.